So we're off to another episode of the Creative Spin Podcast. And today we're going... So we, it's, it's been interesting, Patrick. I'm looking at Patrick in the background. I know you guys are like, who's he looking at? It's Patrick. He's in the background. We've had, uh, we've, we've had a conversation with a lawyer not too long ago. Uh, from there, we went into uh, uh, Star Wars. And today, we're talking about financial stuff. I mean, this is <laughs> amazing, right? Today's podcast is brought to you by Workplace One, a company offering boutique, private offices, co-working spaces, and virtual office solutions, as well as meeting rooms in the best neighborhoods of Toronto and Kitchener-Waterloo. Ideal for entrepreneurs, companies, and passionate business people. Workplace One is where you want to be with your business. For more information, go over to WorkplaceOne.com. Penny, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Penny, I, I, I was telling you, I'm always afraid of pronouncing last names wrong. So can you please you know, introduce yourself properly? Because I can't do the job. No I've only problem. been doing this for a while, but whatever. <laughs> We all know our strengths and weaknesses, don't we? There you go. <laughs> I'm Penny Stavropoulos. Uh, I work for Lauren Steinberg Wealth Management. I'm vice president, portfolio manager there. Ooh, and, we're uh, going to be talking yeah. money. <laughs> <laughs> so g- give us your origin story. Like, where, where, where was Penny at five years old? What were, were you thinking about money back then? Like, what, what was, like, give us, give us some background. Well, well, funny story. So not so much where was Penny at the age of five. Penny at the age of five was uh, living her life on a farm, having a great time. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think the turning point for Penny was um, when she was nine. Mm-hmm. So um, my father passed away when I was nine years old mm-hmm. um, in testate, meaning he passed away without a will or without a proper estate plan. Okay. So that complicated, obviously, a lot of things. And, um, you know, it, it was the firsthand experience I've had with one, not having a proper financial plan. Mm -hmm. And secondly, just going through from, from a child's perspective of, um, you know, seeing your, your parent go through obviously unneeded stress. Um, you know, I mean, that's the last thing somebody's going to want to think about at that time. Right. Absolutely. So dying in test state, especially when you're a business owner. So my father had an operating farm. Um, you know, was, was, uh, quite the issue. So it was, you know, at the time, um, he was operating with an overleveraged, um, just standpoint of, of, you know, having a lot of debt, um, versus having uh, enough cash flow to support the debt. Mm-hmm. Um, and just looking at, um, you know, the creditors that started knocking on the door, right. Going, well, we want our payments. It's like they're and waiting. They're just, they're waiting. It's they're like, waiting. Hello. Yeah, they're waiting. And then having my mom have this big learning curve of, you know, all of a sudden needing to be the main breadwinner, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, understanding the finances, how to even uh, monitor the monitor them, manage them. Mm -hmm. um, And then, you know, figuring out how do I put on the how do I put food on the table for my three kids who are all under the age of 13. So it was a big that was not big easy wake for up her. call. Not yeah. easy for her whatsoever. But and a big you guys wake had to grow call. up fast. I'm guessing, right? We did grow up fast. Out. We grew up fast, and we, 
you know, um, you know, the whole, your whole shift of perspective changes. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, where a lot of kids and parents have obviously have certain plans of, you know, post-secondary education and, you know, um, coming from a Greek background, you know, heavy European, you know, is always the parents always set up the financial plan for the kids and wanting to have a house already, you know, either built for them or bought for them when they got married, things like that. So this was complete opposite of that. right? Complete opposite plan. So real quick, you, uh, you, you had to learn to make the best of education and yeah, yeah. from a very young age, you had to really get into, into this whole money situation, right? Yeah. So So you see it firsthand and you see becoming very resourceful with what you have. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, it was a real focus and eye opener of one, you know, really understanding what I want to do with my life. Um, having a plan at a very young age of school and really focusing on what I really liked. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, we all had part-time jobs and even multiple part-time jobs through school to, you know, pay pay for what we, wanted, yeah. uh, what we wanted to do to help out and to pay for our own education, essentially. So, yeah. you know, at one point my mom said, okay, well, I've got, you know, I'm covering the food and the roof. So you guys figure out whether you want to work for our, in a factory for the rest of your life or put yourselves through school and get a proper education. I guess uh, option B it was, right? Option B it was, yeah. So you jumped into the whole financial situation and uh, you've now been been doing this for quite a while. I have been. How has been that ride? (laughs) (laughs) It's been a a good ride. Um, So I've been in the financial industry for, uh, it'll be 19 years in June, and uh, specific to wealth management, financial planning for, um, for individuals, um, it'll be uh, 13 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, going a little bit back towards, you know, you and your, your siblings, you, you had to really start looking at life in a different, uh, in the, with a different lens and start being more uh, financial, uh, financially aware of, of your situation and, and figure things out. Um, when I look at, at today's day and age, uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the, the kids, they I don't think they worry much about that. I mean, uh, especially yeah. here in, in Canada, for the most part, not everybody's in the same boat, obviously. But uh, for the most part, you know, the parents take care of that situation. They're not thinking so much about it. What I'm finding, and I, I have now a teenager at home and, and a, a younger one, um, they're not thinking so much about the money aspect of things. Do you think that um, there should be more attention in, in the school system uh, in terms of, you know, educating the younger kids that are in high school to to learn about, you know, uh, this is what happens when you get a job and mm-hmm. you get money. This is what you can do with your money. This is what happens with taxes. This is because I don't think most of the kids nowadays have any idea or they don't really care because they kind of feel a little bit protected by the parents. But. Do you think that the schooling system should have something like that in place? Well, I know in college there's um, electives for personal financial planning course on top of if you're taking business and then you have your accounting courses for business and all that. Yeah, but that's if somebody wants to get into that line of work. What I'm thinking is more towards like life Mm -hmm. in general because what happens a lot and I don't know, obviously you've, you've heard these stories, you know, people just don't know how to work their money. It's the, they don't know how to, you know, what they're doing with it. And I do think it actually starts at the home first Mm -hmm. versus the school and, um, like experiencing what I have in terms of how I grew up. Um, I, 
I think in today's world and today's kids, they take for granted a lot of things. Yeah. Right. And there are certain things where I think even the parents can do to say, well, no, I mean, that's not a it's a privilege and not a right. So Mm -hmm. having a cell phone is a privilege, not a right. I know nowadays for safety, everyone's got a cell phone. You're eight years old and you have your cell phone because your parents want to know where you are. The latest version, by the way. The latest version. Because then you're not cool. Yeah. Um, and with me, it was, well, if you want all these extras, get a job and go get it. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's, you know, taking for granted certain things and really understanding. So again, some of the milestones, maybe with your teenagers, it's if they're ready to start driving a car or have that incentive of, okay, well, if you want to, you want to drive the car, insurance is now going to be X amount higher. Mm-hmm. So you need to also now juggle having a part-time job to be able to pay your share of the, of the insurance. Um, maybe start now covering your cell phone bill to understand the data that you're using, how, right. To start understanding the value and the cost of what you want in life outside of the bare necessities. I 1000% agree with all of that. But when you look at the, the landscape of, of most people, they will, uh, let their kids know, listen, there's going to be this much more and this much more. And in a lot of cases, they, they don't need to give money to their parents because their parents are okay. They can, Mm -hmm. they can take that little, little hit on the insurance or whatever it may be. But should they, should these parents not say to the kids, listen, I know, uh, we're, we're okay and we can pay this, but you should be putting this money aside. Should they not just say, but you're going to pay anyways and grab that money, put it aside so that, you know, one day in the future, they have something aside. Like, what would you advise parents, new parents nowadays? Like what would be the best logistic to, to kind of do that? Like, would you grab that money, put it aside, put it in a bank account, invest it? Like what would be the best scenario for something like that? So the best scenario is, yeah, I mean, if they're of a certain age where they can have their own bank account in their own name, or maybe if it's even a joint bank account mm-hmm. with their parents, so their parent can oversee it and see the activity that's going on. Um, I think not so much of, okay, they can, they can quote unquote pay for, right, that mm-hmm. increased insurance bill or, or cell phone bill, but then the parent can just take it and put it into that savings account instead exactly. versus applying it to the bill. Mm-hmm. Right. So in terms of, like you said, the household bills are covered, people yeah. are more comfortable, but it's the idea of having them understand that things cost money Exactly. and understanding that out of, if I'm giving you an allowance, I'm now withholding X amount of dollars from that allowance for these bills that you have incurred mm-hmm. as, as a, as for more or less a reality check. So then you're, you're instantly giving them that opportunity to one, take that portion of their allowance into savings mm-hmm. and then they're left with a certain amount to then spend. Yeah. Or and be smart about and it. Be too. smart about it because now instead of whatever, maybe it's $20 a week or $50 a week. Now it's only 15. Mm. Cause I went over on my data last week on Netflix or whatever it was. And you have to learn the lesson and you have to learn. Yeah. Cause I feel like a lot of people then they get into their twenties and oof, they don't know what the heck to do with, with the money. And then, you know, they get paid and three days later, there's no more money available and yeah. knocking at somebody's door going, dad, mm, you mind, you know, spending a couple and, hundred and bucks. And more and more when you're at, at that age, I mean, you've got everyone under the sun trying to offer you a credit card. Oh, so let's talk a little bit about that. What, yeah. what are your feelings about those credit cards that come into your life so easily? So easily. They just well, walk in. 
They're life lessons, that's for sure. That's what I like to call them, (laughs) is life lessons. But um, it uh, it does take um, some, I mean, there are going to be some mistakes along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, whether you were raised in a very prudent household or you know, having some kind of, like you mentioned, curriculum um, in, in school for understanding the basic needs. Um, with credit cards, it's very much, you know, it's your, you have access to money that you essentially don't have otherwise to spend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important to understand how that relates to your credit score, how you can increase um, your, your credit score and, and basically build yourself as a, um, a, a good credit rating and, and understanding, um, you know, if you were then to in future go to a bank to apply for a mortgage or a student loan or a car loan, um, they're going to look at how you've behaved yeah. in the past. So essentially, I mean, the credit cards, uh, they're not bad. People make them bad. People make them they're bad actually with, good with how they're using if, it. If you're using it yeah. properly and paying your bills in time and doing all the right, right stuff, they will actually be beneficial for you. They, they can be from yeah. a day-to-day basis in building your credit. So what I like to, I, I usually break down debt into two buckets, good debt versus bad debt. Mm. So good debt typically is debt that you incur to buy some kind of asset that's actually used to grow your overall net worth over time. So good debt um, can be your mortgage on the house. Mm-hmm. Um, good debt can be a line of credit or some kind of lending that you've taken to then turn around and invest. So anything that's that's geared toward increasing your wealth. Mm. Bad debt is typically what you're using just for your day-to-day, oh, but I really want this, or I want those pair of shoes, or mm-hmm. you know, I want you know, the, the newest Kate Spade bag. Yeah. It doesn't, I mean, it's, it's fulfilling a certain need for you at that time, but it's really there from a novelty standpoint. Exactly. And novelty doesn't translate into building wealth. And that's where all the problems start coming in because then you start getting into the habit of overspending and not paying enough. And, and how, like, how does it affect your credit score? Uh, like, I don't think a lot of people understand how much it affects your credit score when you're not paying things in time, when you're not right. there. Like, give us like a rundown of what's the worst stuff that people, that you see people doing with their finances? So when I used to work um, at the bank level as a financial advisor and a lender, um, I always saw same regular people coming in every year wanting a debt consolidation or wanting to refinance on their mortgage because over the course of the year they've racked up the credit cards again they've racked up their line of credits Mm. and they essentially are spending more than what they're making so they're living a lifestyle dependent on debt versus dependent on their income that so every year they would fix the problem but they would just go right back right doing the exact same thing so and on one end i mean banks like customers like that because they are always using credit. What Mm -hmm. I always did with clients was sit down with them going, okay, so we're back here again, (laughs) almost a year to the day, and now I'm restructuring your debt and we're freeing up X amount of cash flow, whether it's $500, $700 a month, even $1,000 a month. I said, we need to stop this cycle and at least 50 to 60% of what I'm saving you now has to go to savings. So I'm now freeing up this cash flow we're saving you X amount of money on 
you know, these, these interest payments and, and credit card mm -hmm. payments. So now let's redirect this so we can stop the cycle over time. As you build your savings, you're going to rely less and less on the debt. Exactly. For you to reuse. So now th those kind of payments, so do you advise people to do like, um, I know you can set certain amounts to come out automatically from, let's say from checking to your, your savings account. Is that like a way of doing it instead of trying to do it manually? Like there is a way, and I find that that's the easiest way in terms mm -hmm. of having regular savings and automatic savings that you don't even think twice about. Yeah. Um, so oftentimes, even to build your retire from a retirement plan standpoint, if people have, um, you know, regular payments come out of their bank account, or sometimes they match it to their pay date, where they're taking fifty, a hundred, or two hundred dollars every two weeks and moving it directly into their RSP. Okay. or moving it directly to an investment account or a savings account. So anything that's more automatic, where you're basically learning to live off of what you're left with in your bank account versus you making that deciding factor. Because at the end of the day, human behavior, it's very hard to regulate yourself at times. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're emotionally driven to want to do something. Maybe you had a bad day and you just want to have a or binge. you want to just keep up with the Joneses. I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. We live in that yeah. kind of society nowadays. We're looking yeah. at everybody's feeds and, you know, everybody's yeah. driving the nicest car and has the nicest house. But and no one's asking who's paying for it exactly. or whether or not it's even a lease or they're just renting it for the day. So <laughs> there's a lot of misconceptions, especially with social media Oof. and really focusing on this quote unquote luxury lifestyle, which mm -hmm. is not sustainable. And if you look at the real hardcore, um, you know, billionaires and millionaires out there, they don't live that kind of lifestyle. And for them, it's a once in a, you know, every year, maybe every couple of years, yeah. if they've reached a certain milestone, that they'll splurge and do something as an event, but that's not their regular lifestyle. So have you seen a difference uh, from the generation, uh, from a generational side, like the younger demographic, let's say early 20s to early 30s? Uh, have you seen a difference in spending, in, in digging into that credits too much? And do you think it, it is influenced by, by like what they see in social media and all that? I think it is, and I think there's essentially two camps. There's one camp that's still focused on um, your traditional, you know, building wealth mm -hmm. mentality. And there's another camp where it's, I want a lifestyle mentality. Okay. So the lifestyle living has nothing to do with owning a home, building assets, building your wealth. It has everything to do with focusing on how much you can get paid to be able to be free to do the things that you want. So travel mm. more. Um, have these off, go to these offsite retreats, do some more high priced, um, you know, things that otherwise someone that's more focused on building their wealth and building assets and saving will look at and go, no, maybe in a couple of years I'll spend 5,000 for a retreat, but yeah, not every but, year. But Joe did it last week. I don't want to do it now too. Like, is, is that the biggest issue? I think the worst thing you can do is compare yourself to somebody else. All right. We all need to really focus in on um, what we want for ourselves and what we want for the long term. Because Joe's not going to be there when you lose your job and yeah. you need to figure out how you're going to pay the bills for the next three I just months. wanted a financial advisor to say this so that, you know, people could get it. Yeah. <laughs> and long term, if I'm talking to people that are, you know, looking to transition their, um, their careers, whether from corporate to now business for self 
or you know you're you're nearing maybe retirement you're figuring out how do i transition to maybe go part-time you know your friend joe is not going to help you (laughs) make these transitions but also won't be there to help cover any medical bills or anything that you need outside of that probably won't even be there to help you move like Probably a- <laughs> not. I feel like Joe pretty much just wants to be there for the good times. I don't know, only. man. I don't know if he's a good friend or not. He's a good times kind of guy he's is what good, I'm oh saying. Yeah, let's go out, have a beer and all that. But Joe, mm. I'm on to you. <laughs> yeah. So what is the uh, what is the advice in today's world? We're living in a we're living on a very interesting age. Uh, it's very fast paced. There's a lot going on and there's also a lot of money out there. You mm-hmm. know, there's a lot of people struggling, but there's also a lot of crazy money out there. What is what is your advice? Let's say I'm a young entrepreneur. I came up with a good idea. I have, you know, I created this app. I'm making a lot of money. I'm 26 years old. Um, what would you say to that 26-year-old? Let's grab that example now. Okay, so let's focus on that example. One, I will say, be cautious of the easy come, easy go. Mm. So don't assume because you've had a great success on the offset that it will continue. So prepare for something to slow down. And if okay. you do that, you'll be more cognizant of saving. So when you say prepare, w- what would you tell this person to do? Like what would be the obvious stuff that so, sometimes people don't think about? So what I would do is I would get a better understanding of how they've been making their money so far and what has been um, the if it's a regular cycle or are they getting paid in increments? Do they have great, good years or bad years? So does it come in waves? Is it more consistent? Mm-hmm. Um, if there's a consistency to it, great. Um, there's there's regular savings and ways you can invest or maybe diversify that income into something that if there's certain things that are your main business that slow down, you've got something else that's still creating an income for you. But it, you... Well, on my point of view, I think that 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 person should always talk to a financial advisor rather than speak to the friends and the family and all of that. Like, for sure. That's one of the biggest mistakes I think yeah. I see a lot out there is like people just, you know, they go for a dinner with a friend and the friend, they go, oh, no, you should invest. You should buy these stocks because I bought them and I made a ton of money and, yeah. and you should invest here and there. And that's where a lot of the mistakes happen is because they're yeah. taking advice from people that don't really know. They, they just did some investments themselves and they think that's the way to go. And they're not even sure what they've done. And they're now advising everybody else what to do. Um, so in your opinion, should they be talking to somebody like Definitely yourself? Definitely talk to, yes, an investment advisor, um, someone that's had experience with business owners with individuals, someone that's had that exposure with what you're going through and what your personal situation is. Mm-hmm. Um, and really understanding what I like to do is really take a big, uh, the, take a step back and look at the big picture. So I like to call the total wealth planning perspective. Mm-hmm. And that includes not only your, your financial picture of building an investment portfolio or what your lifestyle is and earning a regular income, but it's also looking at where do you lie within the markets in the industry. Okay. So how are you affected when there's a slowdown in your industry? How are you affected when there's a slowdown in the overall markets? When, um, you know, if Ontario specifically is in a recession or Canada worldwide or if it's a global, mm-hmm. how, what are your exposures and how would you be affected if there's a downturn of some point. And would you advise also, if if possible or if whenever possible, to diversify as well? 
diversify is a huge factor. Mm-hmm. Um, again, a lot of us, we have our regular income. It's usually how we maintain and yeah. build our lifestyle. Um, and for entrepreneurs, um, that's, that's a, it's a, it's a vital, vital piece mm-hmm. to their very livelihood. Um, and so diversification, whether it be looking at ways to diversify where your revenue is coming from, or again, diversifying within your investment portfolio. So like to your point, a lot of entrepreneurs, once they get a certain level of success with themselves, mm-hmm. there's a lot of confidence and yeah. rightfully so they've done a good job. But you don't want that to um, propel into a level of ego that shadows some of the gaps that you may have with decision making in areas mm-hmm. that you're not too sure of. Yeah. So do your homework. As someone would do their homework on you if you were looking to um, get a loan, they're going to look at your financial history. They're going to look at your strengths. They're going to look at, right, yeah, are you able to sense. pay this back? If you're looking to go into a joint venture or even looking at, you know, your friend Joe, <laughs> Joe, he likes you, that Joe. one stock. Joe, um, really get a better understanding of that company. Yeah, why is it so great? Why are every why is everyone buying shares in that? So, uh, I mean, the world is changing fast, like I said, yeah. and and sometimes things uh, happen that you have no control on. Uh, I'm obviously now thinking about this whole virus situation that mm-hmm. we're going through in the world. This is affecting uh, the world economy. And um, what would you say people should be doing at this point uh, or looking at this example as to like what should people be doing with their money right now when a crisis, a worldwide crisis like this happens? Well, as a value investor and a value philosophy, it Mm. it usually goes hand in hand with um, having cash set aside for these opportunities. And I call them opportunities. Because when so yeah. many people are unprepared, the ones that are, that is their opportunity to invest in areas where yeah. they've been beaten up. Because things go down, but they also come back up, right? They really do. So I think you have to, one, always have a regular monitoring system of understanding where your exposures are. So, you know, the last couple of years, they've the strong run up in the markets. People get overconfident and greedy about, oh, I made 20%, I made 30%. Mm-hmm. And the issue is if you don't rebalance your overall exposure, so you've let them run up. Well, originally you told me you only were comfortable having half of your money in the stock market. And now with this run up, it's become 70%. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a false sense of confidence and they don't fully realize that they're, they're not that comfortable with the risk when things start coming off. Yeah, and, and that's where you start seeing people that um, that get nervous. Mm-hmm. They start selling right away. And that's where, I guess, you need to keep your calm and, and really plan things out, right? Because, like you say, this what, what's happening right now, it, it sucks. It's not good. But in terms of, of the world of investments and all that, if you do have some money set aside, this, this is the right time to start investing in, in a lot of the... The companies that, you know, when people are getting nervous, they start selling. So explain us a little bit, like, what's the best scenario here? If you do have some money aside and uh, and you're looking at the, the what's going on in the world right now, like, what would you say? What would you say for them to do? Like, what would be the best steps? Obviously, well, no specifics, but, right, you know. Right, right. Uh, so just understanding first, understanding your, your plan, right, mm-hmm. your overall long-term plan. Because at the end of the day, 
it has to make sense with your long-term plan and anything you always want to assess in increments. So what are your current goals within the next couple of years? Is that money set aside for a purchase that you think you're going to want, whether it's a down payment, a car purchase, um, renovations that are coming up. Some people get, um, see a short term opportunity to say, well, I'm going to throw it all in and I'm going to get 15% in a year and then I'm just going to pull it out and, you know, I'm that much more ahead to then buy that other car, you know, so very dangerous, uh, advice to take. Please don't take that advice. That's Joe's advice. (laughs) Be careful of Joe, everybody. Um, I apologize in advance to every Joe that is listening or watching this podcast. I I really apologize. But it's important to always look at the long-term perspective. So if you did earmark that money for opportunities to invest, yes, now's the time to start staging it in. If that money wasn't earmarked for that, please do not use it. Mm, yes. So okay. so the rule, well, it's not even a rule of thumb. It is a standard. I've got uh, a few different wealth management credentials. Um, and the number one, um, you know, um, advice and thing that you learn first is understanding who's um, suitable mm-hmm. to be in any kind of market or investment segment. So suitability is key. Okay. So understanding that investment, especially in the markets, is for the long term. So if you've got a short time horizon, it's not going to be for you. So I'm going to finish off with the question of Toronto living and financial uh, and the and versus the financial side of things. Mm-hmm. It's damn expensive to live in this city nowadays. It really is. Everything has gone up. Uh, I'm going to get the exam. No, I'm not, not going to say Joe Don't again. use Joe. No, we're not going to use Joe again. Come on. Joe, I'm joking. It's not, no. Um, I don't think I even know Joe. Oh, of course I do. Um, You're Portuguese. You know so many Joes. My dad is Joe. <laughs> I hope he's not watching this Just right like now. like, I'm Greek. I know so many Gus's. Oh, Shout geez. out to Gus. There Hi, Gus. Go. Hey, Gus. How's it Costa? going? Ah, right. <laughs> Got like 20 of them. Yeah. Um, so going back to Toronto and, yeah. the, and the craziness that we're living in yeah. right now, what is the best practice for a young couple starting off and looking into buying a house in the city of Toronto? What are your advices? If you're not waiting for inheritance to come your way, um, it's better off to look to move to the outskirts mm-hmm. or somewhere further away. You are going to um, sacrifice commuting time for home, but that's been the case for the last 30 to 40 years. Anyone that you speak to in Toronto and people that are building wealth and wanted to own a home and have a lifestyle that they could afford and also put money aside at the same time, they always started on the outskirts and then slowly worked their way back into the city. Mm -hmm. So you're either making the choice of, I value my time too much, I don't want to commute, and you're going to sacrifice a higher percentage of your income um, to buy a property in the city. Long term, the way things are going, it'll be it'll work out for you, but in the short term, you're gonna have to sacrifice a lot of your lifestyle that you're of what you want mm. versus what you're what you're um, buying. Okay. Well, that's it. Save it up, boys and girls. Save up your money, save up your cash. Cause otherwise, you know, it's gonna get hard. Building wealth is it's a it's a process and it's a journey. So patience is key. All right. Anything else you want to throw at our listeners? Uh, a word of advice when it comes to the financial side? 
Um, you know what? It's be um, prudent, and I know that's not a sexy word, mm-hmm. but um, prudence does help with understanding um, the choices that you're making with where you want to spend your money. And the little tip that I have for everyone is if you're going to um, spend outside of your regular mortgage payment or any kind of fixed payments that you have, please, please, please remember to spend as much as you save. So that's the challenge I have for everyone. Spend as much as you save. That's right. So okay. if you want to go out for, to that restaurant, have those drinks, or if you want to buy those extra pair of shoes, if you can't save that same amount of money that same time you're spending it, that's good advice. Probably don't do it. That's good or advice, find Penny. or find something that's maybe less. So I think over time you start building your savings and you start really seeing the value of what you're buying. Because if you can't afford to put away that fifty dollars to and also spend fifty dollars on dinner, mm-hmm. that's, I don't know. That's really Is good advice, Penny. I like that one. Is it worth it? That's good. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, swinging by this podcast and uh, putting us, you know, in line with uh, saving money and being prudent about this whole financial situation. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. And please uh, remember to check out my social media handles. It'll be on the description below. At PB Total Wealth. There you go. But it will be on the description. We'll put it there. conscience. Yeah. (laughs) And for all you guys that have been listening and watching us, uh, you know, there's that little subscribe button just karate chop that and then you know you can round kick the 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 bell as well right and there's some shooto blocks at the same time right patrick and then uh and then you're good to go we'll be back next week there you go all right see you later